Hey guys, it's Leslie Holiday, and I am so excited for you to hear a conversation that Matt and I were able to have with our great friends, Adam and Jenny Wainwright. We discussed several things over our time together, but one of the things we discussed was the Great Commission. The Great Commission is located in Scripture. It is located in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Man, these are Jesus' last words to us. And they're pretty simple. What they say is, hey, I want you to go tell people about me. I want you to go share the good news about me. And, and we discuss with Adam and Jenny, like, what does that look like for you guys? Adam shares with us about his neat ministry called Walking with Wayno and how that came about. Jenny talks about what it looks like to be obedient to the Great Commission in her home. It was a really neat conversation. We also discussed with the Wainwrights about their marriage and about parenting. And there's two things I want to highlight in that, in that part of the conversation. Number one, Jenny brings up a passage of scripture that I think is very important to um, kind of draw out a little bit. She says, um, like 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 13, like that passage of scripture is what's anchored their marriage. And I want to challenge you guys to look that up as a family and really start to understand what a biblical definition of love looks like. And I do believe that if you apply the truth into your marriage, there will be fruit that comes from that. It's like learning how to love the way that God designed for us to love is in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 13. Another practical thing I would like to mention to you right now is Adam discusses Jenny's love language Where that comes from is a really neat book written by a guy named Gary Chapman. It's called The Five Love Languages. This book is a really practical um, resource to help you understand the person that you're married to. And of course, understanding the person you're married to will really go a long way in our marriages. So I hope that you can sit down and enjoy your time at Table 40. What's up, guys? It's Matt Holliday here. I'm with my wife, Leslie. Uh, Table 40 is the podcast. Uh, We are part of the Spork Spectrum uh, website. You can find us there. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us uh, pretty much anywhere there is uh, podcasts. Uh, we want to thank you for listening today. We have special guests, uh, Adam and Jenny Wainwright. Adam is uh, going into his 15th major league season. Uh, one of my close friends, he and Jenny are Leslie and I's good friends. Um, and we are excited to have them on. Adam has been a big part of my life and a big mentor to me, and we used to be roommates, and we um, spent a lot of time getting in the Word together and Bible studies, and we have become very close friends, and this probably won't be too serious because Adam is very funny and Jenny as well, Um, but we want to get into the Great Commission as been our theme uh, so far in, in, in the podcast, but we want to talk to Adam and Jenny. Adam and Jenny, thanks for coming on, and uh, good to hear you guys, and we can also see you, but they won't see you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us on. I'm trying to think about Great Commission jokes right now, but I don't have yeah. any. <laughs> great Commission jokes, okay. <laughs> Well, let's start off with, uh, you know, we could talk about our history. So I got traded to St. Louis in 2009. And uh, Adam and I hit it off and, and have a lot of the same uh, similar views and, and, and have a very similar family. Um, we both have a lot of kids. Uh, Adam has passed us with uh, a recent kid. So they have five and we have four. But I remember uh, Adam and I, w- w- like I said, we, we hit it off and, and just his love for Jesus and, and uh, his love for discipleship. Uh, was infectious and something that that I uh, was able to witness and watched him have a big 
impact on a lot of our teammates uh, for the kingdom and, and just a tremendous uh, way about talking about Jesus to teammates that's very, um, I think, genuine, um, but not over the top. And I, and I want to ask you, Adam, what, when did you, I guess is it's a personality thing to some point, but when did you really feel like you started to have the, I, I don't know, the courage to start sharing your faith with teammates and feel like that that was something that you were called to do in a locker room setting where sometimes that can be a little bit, um, I don't know, sometimes that's tough. Yeah, I think uh, it kind of happened naturally. Um, early on in, in my faith journey, you know, I became a believer, a, like a, a real faithful follower of Jesus in 2000. Well, I became a believer in 2002, but it wasn't until really probably – three or four or five, even that I became a faithful follower of Jesus. And as the years went on attending the PAO conference, the increased conference now, um, and learning from some of the best teachers in the world and some of the, the most wise, uh, biblical scholars in the world and, and, and just getting lessons taught to us left and right, as you know, Matt, it was those times where I felt comfortable and, and, and felt like I had a, almost an obligation to share those those words of wisdom that those things with people. And, and it was a, it's a learning process, right? Like we used to get together in the rooms and, and study the word kind of slowly and not really have a plan and kind of choppy and figure out things kind of like a, you know, like a band starting off and they don't really know how, what role each guy's going to play and they're playing in their garage and it's all messy sounding and, and they got to work the kinks out and figure out what sound works for them. That's kind of like our ministry in, in, in sports sometimes it's some you don't know how to do it perfectly you got to learn how you do it on the fly you, you learn how it's kind of like parenting right you gotta you learn thing everybody reads books and there's things that work for other people but everybody's different and everybody and things work differently for other people and you got to try to figure out kind of how to do that on your own a lot of different times and so uh my voice in the clubhouse grew as i played longer and my um i feel like my spiritual wisdom has grown as we've attended more and more PAO conferences and more and more discipleship with guys like you, Matt, and you, Leslie, and being around those people that you sponge off of and learn uh, from consistently and continually, that that process kind of comes naturally. And when you force it, it doesn't work anyway. So you kind of have to let it come sort of naturally. Ask him about, or Adam, what do you think about, um, I, I heard you talk about this the other day when we were in a meeting but talk about the walking with Wayno and how that came about. And I think that just something you just said made me think about that. Um, it's just, it was a sort of a natural thing that, that just came to your mind and, and you went with it. And so tell everybody how walking with Wayno came about. Cause I love this story. Yeah. And we all know Don Christensen. Some of the people listening may not know Don, but um, Don is our financial planner. Don's our, our great friend and mentor. He's kind of like that wise old owl that pours into all of us. But I don't know how many people in the world have their, their financial advisor as their biggest spiritual mentor, but that's all of us, I would say. Right, Matt? I mean, <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, no doubt. And, uh, and our, our financial advisor is really tasked with going out and finding unique ways and great ways for us to give our money in the world. How many financial advisors are like that in the world? You know, it's a it's a unique situation, but as baseball players, we're placed into a unique situation. So over the over the last uh, four years leading up to this year, I'd done the, the the Don Christensen. That's what we call it. The Don Christensen Bible Engagement Plan. 
um, where he has a journal because, you know, when Don would come and visit me and he's same with you, I'm sure when he comes to visit you, no matter what time you get up, he's, or he's wake, he's already woken up before you and he's got his journal out open on the countertop, you know, not so much just like, as you, it's like, Hey, look at me, I'm reading the Bible. It's just, you can tell he's been in it. He's been studying the word he's been in, in the journal. So a few years ago, I just said, Hey, I'd like to, I, I want this thing that you have, you know, going on with Jesus on a deeper level. And I, I'd like to jump in this with you. And so uh, the last four years I did that with them, it's a daily reading program with an old Testament, a new Testament and a Psalm or proverb every single day. And, uh, the last couple of years, I had really felt led to to bring that to guys on our team through the Cardinals, uh, just because there's so many times that we just open the Bible. We don't have a plan. We don't know where to start. So it's hard to open it. And then it can be because you don't have a plan. You don't know where to start. You don't really have somebody walking you through it. It can be really intimidating and you give up really quick if you try to do it by yourself. So this group that I was with and Don reading this, this, uh, the Bible went through, it, it, cr- it created accountability. It created a, a plan. It created, a, you knew what that day's uh, reading was going to be. And it created dialogue with teammates so that I could talk with them about it, learn and grow with them together uh, as peers. And so it's just a, cr- a crazy, awesome growing technique that, that I just fell in love with. So I did a, a group last year at home too. And in the, the results are always the same. It's like, man, this is so great. A really good friend of mine named Kevin from home. He said, this has helped me so much. Like just being consistently into the word has changed my daily outlook on life and, and just really powerful stuff. You, I mean, thank you for doing this. And, 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 and I'm thanking him too, for helping me be accountable through that, helping me go through that. But I just started feeling, you know what, this is such a powerful thing that I need to, I, I just feel like God is telling me to do this on a, on a grander scale. It's not like I heard a, you will share <laughs> this with more people. Like there wasn't like a loud, you know, command coming from a burning bush or anything, but it was just like this feeling. I feel like he was giving me to do this on a greater level. So I called, I called our pastor at home and I just said, Hey, Pastor Dave, I'd mentioned it to him the year before. I said, Hey, I'm really, I still got this on the brain. I feel like I'm supposed to do this. What do you think about me walking through this with our church at home? And he said, Well, that sounds like something that a lot of people would probably be interested in. We'll see where it goes, but we'll help you set up the accounts and, and figure out what kind of system you need to use. And this and that. So great. Sounds good. I'll, I'll order. 200 journals. Yeah. Or 200 thinking that that would be plenty, you know, way more than we would need. And, uh, those sold out right away. Uh, he mentioned it at church and they sold out. There was like 200 and 180 of them were gone in the first service. The second service, he forgot to mention it completely. And so there was a couple left over and then by word of mouth, a couple of days later, they were gone. Um, and then, you know, as I'm doing that, I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Those sold out. And, and, and we set up an, an email account where they would send it out to the people that were in there to my recaps every day so that they knew that I was engaged with them every day. It was, I was having a conversation with them. We were walking through it together. Well, through the email, not, not 200 people. And now all of a sudden there's, you know, a couple thousand people in there. And I'm going, well, how did that happen? You know, not everyone got a journal, but lots of people signed up through the email system. So to make this a little bit shorter, I just kept getting challenged and challenged and challenged internally. 
where I knew I had to take it to social media too. And, and I put it out on Twitter to see who wanted to join in with it. And we call it walking with Wayne and uh, we're on day 99 today. Um, tomorrow will be a hundred days in the word. And I've had tons and tons of people write in saying, dude, I've never been in the word like this before. I didn't know anything, stories like that, but I also have pastors and, and uh, all kinds of people in there that hold me accountable each day. But now we're up to, you know, 16,000 something people on Twitter and 5,000 something people on the email group. So it's 20,000 plus people reading the word daily and engaged into his, his word all because, uh, because of, of a friend that showed me something and that's the discipleship model, right? A friend poured into me and I'm, I'm, I'm helping to try and pour into other people who are hopefully going to take that 20,000 number or whatever number and pour into, you know, whoever knows how much more. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that this isn't, for those of us that don't have, um, you know, big followings. Or, I mean, obviously, you're an incredibly talented baseball player, and lots of people know who you are, because that's just the business, and that's the way it goes. But for those of the moms and dads and kids listening on this podcast, like, I just think what I heard you say that I think is very important and, and something to point out is it was just kind of the next right thing. I mean, this was on your heart. God placed it on your heart. And the next right thing was to go do what? Are you singing Frozen songs? Like, what what, is that a Frozen song? The next right thing? Frozen two. Frozen two. You know what? Maybe that's what happened. Maybe. <laughs> maybe that's what happened maybe I watched it and it's just playing through my mind so yeah, I was like consciously yeah. but that's what you did and that's the thing that's important about making disciples is you just have these conversations you do the next right thing I wish I knew it I probably wouldn't sing it but you probably will I won't listen to another word until you sing in Anna's voice <laughs> I don't know the song I need to look up the song you know quoting Anna <laughs> I didn't even know she's got so you got to do the next right thing. You've just got to let it go. You got to let it go. Just <laughs> don't care. Just do it. You're getting it all mixed up. No, but you hear what I'm saying, right? I mean, it wasn't like you're you're sitting there looking at it going, this is going to make me look really, really good. You looked at it and you said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to. Yeah. I didn't want to do it because I knew yeah. the accountability that came with it. I knew it was going to be a lot of work and it was going to be daily. And I said this on the, our talk the other day too, Leslie, but I'll tell you one of the most meaningful things in, in, in my relationship with Jenny so far in, in our 21 years of being together, 22 years, 22 years of total, <laughs> 21 years, 21 or 22, we've been married, for, been married for almost 16 years. So we dated for five or six years before that um, was early on in this process. I looked at her because I knew that it, it was going to be tough for me to do this all by myself. And I said, Hey, I'm going to need you to help push me through this and help me get through this and be a partner for me in this, because I feel like it's one of the most important things I've ever done. And she has taken that challenge on so well. And, and she's my little buddy sitting next to me in the bed. And, and I, I'll look at her and I'll be like, Hey, what did you have on Psalms today? Because I, I got nothing. Or <laughs> what did you think about Deuteronomy, blah, blah, blah. And she, and she's her, her wisdom is, is, is way more than she wants to give herself credit for. She helps me in so many different ways. I got a question for you, Adam, going back to earlier what you said. And, and, and a lot of some of the feedback we've gotten from this podcast and, and some of the places, new believers, people that, that maybe aren't believers, 
when you said that, that you came to Jesus in, in 2002, but you really didn't start following him until 1000, 2004 or five, can you explain the dynamic of what that means? And, and I think sometimes people think, um, well, you were, wait, you were saved when you were 2002, but you didn't really start following Jesus. And to, or, you know what I'm saying? Can you explain that yes. a little bit more to the people that, that maybe are, are maybe looking at a relationship with Jesus and don't, haven't quite given their hearts and to, to that? Yeah, so, and everybody's situation is different, but there's people that are out there that they decide to follow the Lord and instantly they become faithful followers of Jesus and never look back. For me, it was it was a recognition in 2002 that I needed a Savior, I needed grace, and I, I was accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I accepted that. But it wasn't for a couple of years later that I let him really sink in and work on me from the inside out uh, to change the way that I was living my life in, in many different ways. And sometimes that's a learning curve. You know, I think some people, uh, they think or expect when they see a, a believer that uh, their faith journey is the same as everyone else's and, and that instantly they're going to be like, you know, the Apostle Paul or where it's just not that way for most of us, you know, there's a, there's a learning curve involved. There is, uh, there is, um, uh, challenges and, um, steps along the way that, that you realize, Oh man, I messed up. Whereas before you didn't even care. It didn't matter to you, but as you sort of, it's not guilt. It's, 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 what's the word I'm looking for. It's conviction. And it's conviction by the Holy Spirit that he's going, hey, bro, remember that? Remember that promise you made me? Remember that you told me you were going to walk with me? Okay, this is part of that process. Here's where we're going to change. And he started working on me uh, slowly. And it took a few years for me to really buy into this whole process. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think our salvation is secure, but maturing and becoming a a disciple that's, that's worthy of the calling and maturing in our relationship with the Lord, it, it takes time. And we all pace that out a little bit differently. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I, I think as a, as a new believer, that's a dangerous spot for believers because uh, people who are not believers are always watching. Right. And sometimes new believers, brand new believers get thrust into spotlight and speaking engagements into roles where they're just not quite ready yet. Uh, to back it up with the lives that they live. And so people will go, well, he's a grip, you know, that's just not, but it's just, it's not fair to them almost, the person who's the new believer, because they haven't reached their, in their faith journey, they're not so far along enough during that marathon that they really know how to be yet. You know what I'm saying? Well, even mature believers mess up. I yeah. mean, <laughs> that's true. That's a great point. Well, I, I think it even talks about like, being on, on milk still, right. As new believers that you're, you're still being fed by milk as opposed to a more mature, um, believer that, that, you know, is like you said, is, is more prepared to, to speak about, I mean, think about our journeys. Like when you first become a believer, you don't want to be called on in Bible study, right? Because you're not quite sure of your knowledge of scripture. And yep. as you grow and more and more and, and, and have this confidence that you understand maybe what the Bible is saying, that when that lull, that quiet in, in Bible studies we have, where the, the, 
the pastor asks a question and nobody wants to answer, like you're the guy that goes, okay, I'll answer because yeah. I have confidence that I know the answer where a lot of guys or even me as a young believer thought, I don't know the right answer to this. So I'm going to pretend like I'm bite my nail or, you know, the, the whole, you know, that whole awkward moment where it's silent and nobody wants to answer. And then Adam answers and everybody feels more comfortable. And then, you know, people just get more, <laughs> more comfortable participating. Well, that, those times for me were always kind of interesting too, and still are because the pastor will ask a question and it's not that you and I would know all the answers, but you almost give everyone else time mm-hmm. to try to answer first. Cause you don't want to be the only guy who's answering every time. So it's like, come on, guys, come on, step up. Somebody step up. Somebody's journey's ready. Let's go. Somebody else. Yeah. And, it, and, and, and over time with being comfortable, comfortable with everybody in the room, sometimes those walls break down and people will feel comfortable sharing. And I think I was going to ask you about that. Like when you're talking to teammates about Jesus, like what are some strategies? So say, say some minor league guys or some young big league guys are listening to this podcast. What are strategies that you've found that, that have, have worked and maybe some that haven't when talking to, to teammates about Jesus? And, and we talk about this all the time, like building relationships first, like getting to know guys and building trust. But what are some things that you're currently strategies you might be using or that you've learned in the last few years that that are better or worse or, or some 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 ideas inside the locker room that, that have helped you? Yeah. And there's some some things I look back on and I realize I failed miserably, you know, and with some different teammates that came in that I might have pushed too hard or just maybe tried to force things a little bit. But that's part of gaining wisdom. And uh I, th- I think, you know what, Matt, the, the thing that is the most powerful for me is I think it's first, uh, first Peter three fifteen, and it's the message, uh, version of it that, that says you should live your way, your life in such a way as that other people want to know the reasons for your hope. And I feel like you can, you can, uh, use words and you should use words at some point. But uh, your life, your life and the way that you act around people and the, the words that come out of your mouth, they should reflect a hope that people go, why is he like that? What is so different about this guy? What is it? And they want to know the reason for your hope. And then you share with your words. And sometimes it's not that way. Sometimes you look at a guy and go, hey, man, let me tell you about something. Because it's just that challenging that they need that you're feeling like the Holy Spirit's telling you, man, you got to give it right now. But I feel like a lot of times, many times, uh, a better way to do that is to, to model your faith uh, and use words when, when necessary, not if necessary, but when necessary, because at some point they're always going to become necessary. Well, and I think the thing that he's been really good about is that he builds a relationship first that's just based on baseball and friendship. And then people want to hear from him. If he was just walking in and preaching at him and then leaving, hmm. you know, no one's going to listen to him, but he's got like an underlying relationship with, all these guys in the clubhouse. Um, and so they want to hear from him about all sorts of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jenny, I was at a, a conference a couple months ago and it was this parenting, it was a parenting conference or parenting like workshop or whatever. And one of the things the lady said, she started out and she said, um, if I were to tell you that I have five strangers, little strangers living in my house and all day long I serve them and I make their breakfast, their lunch and their dinner. I clean up after them. She said, you would look at me and think that I was so honorable that I would allow these little 
little people in my house. But what, then, if, then if I tell you that they're my kids, it changes everything. And I think one thing that I really admire about you is um, you're a really great mom and you've done a really good job of discipling your, your girls. And um, I'm sure Caleb will be, it'll be no different when he gets a little bit older. And I've always admired the relationship that you have with your daughters and the way that you disciple your kids. And obviously Adam is, is very outgoing and has a really cool ministry that's, that's, that's big and broad and it'll just get bigger and bigger because truly like to disciple people, we have to give them the word of God and you're doing that well. And that's awesome. But I think one thing that I would love for you to speak on is like practically what things do you do with, with the girls that um, you disciple them at home and the things, because I think that it just, it can't be missed that um, when God calls us to make disciples he's talking about our family first and um, and it's just something that I've always looked up to you about is just how, how much Bailey, especially in Morgan, I guess we were, Morgan was older when, when Matt finished his time with the Cardinals, but man, they love the Lord. And I think that I know Adam's great and stuff, but I think that that has a lot <laughs> to do with your relationship with them and the way that you've modeled the love of Jesus in your home. And so like, what would be some practical tips for moms that are figuring this thing out? Cause you know how it is. I mean, and especially in sports, I mean, dads are gone a lot. Moms are the ones that hold down the fort primarily and teach the kids about a lot of things. And I'm just curious what practical tips you would give to young moms trying to figure it out. Cause we were there once, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I will say that sometimes when you, talk about them being our little disciples. I, I do. I love that because, um, sometimes, you know, like when you see like your husband have this huge platform, you're like, well, what am I doing? You know, I'm not going out and like talking to 20,000 people. And then I remember that, I mean, I have five, like you said, five little disciples in my house. And so they are my priority, my focus right now. And so I'm okay with that being my outreach at the moment. But, um, my biggest thing, right, I mean, with our girls, I mean, Caleb's still too little, but just, like, honesty. I mean, if they ask me a question, I want to tell them the truth, whether about any of the subjects. And so I've tried to always make that, and, like, they can tell me anything without hopefully getting in too, you know, like, not feeling like I'm coming down on them. I want them to be able to um, to feel comfortable asking about spiritual things or relationship things or any of that stuff. Um, so, I mean, honesty is the biggest thing I feel like with my girls. Um, and, and just the girls have such an incredibly tight relationship with her that goes beyond anything that I have with them. And they tell me to my face, which is always kind of <laughs> interesting, but they were like, yeah, dad, we just can't talk to you about some things that we can talk to mom about. And that's, and, and I'm okay with that. That's, <laughs> that's good. I, I love that they have that relationship. And I mean, but they get a lot of practice on biblical principles. We have so many kids in the house, not that we're like specifically saying like, this is, you know, like, but like treat each other the way that you want, you know, like, are your words bringing life to others? Are they bringing death? I use that one a lot in our house because they, you know, little little girls sometimes say things to their sisters that are not life giving. (laughs) And so, um, you know, without feeling like they're getting a Bible lesson, I think they are because 
they are practicing it on each other. Um, but yeah, I love that about just the practicing it either way. Sometimes not correctly, but they are practicing life skills and biblical principles on each other, especially now when we're all you know in the in house a tight little group. <laughs> The other thing I love about you guys is your marriage. And I think for Matt and I, it was always really encouraging um, for us because Matt and I, we really enjoy each other's company. And I was talking to Don Christensen the other day, and he said, you know, the thing that you have in common with Jenny Wainwright is if like in quarantine or whatever, for example, it doesn't really bother me that I'm stuck at home with Matt. Cause I really, like, I really enjoy his company. And that's the thing about, um, about y'all that that I've always just found a lot of comfort in because it's it's kind of like you see another family that's doing it like we're doing it and I, I think that you know marriage is such a thing that we all can read like in the podcast our prayer is that pro athletes will listen to this because that's what the life that we've been involved in for so many years and so I just think something that I would love for y'all to share is just some wisdom in a for your marriages and especially in pro sports. I think one thing that I loved about Matt and Adam is they were roommates and Matt touched on that at the very beginning, but I think it was very comforting to Jenny and I to know that when you guys were on the road for seven to 10 days at a time, that there was some accountability there and you guys were roommates. And I would love for you to talk about that. And I would love for you to just talk about, and I I think another thing that we have in common with y'all, and I think it's very important for young pro athletes to consider is um, the fact that I know I'm loved by Matt and that is enough for me. And I never tried to seek um, any sort of approval outside my home. Um, and anyway, and I, I, I think that that's something that we have in common. And I think the reason is, is because it's biblical. And so I guess I would like for you to sort of talk on that is just things that you've done over the course of your 16 years of marriage, because you've always been in, in professional sports. Um, and just kind of what, what things that you guys have done to, to strengthen your marriage. Cause the cool thing about y'all, and we can say this cause we're a little further ahead is that when baseball was over, I didn't have to look at Matt and get to know him again. Like it was like, okay, it's over together. It wasn't, it wasn't um, like he was doing this thing and I was at home somewhere. We, and we were able to transition into the life without pro sports together and I know that that will be true of y'all whenever that journey ends. So I don't know if you found any questions in that little rant <laughs> at all. But um, <laughs> wait, there, 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 was, there was at one there point. There was at one point, and then I kept it, answering then it. Went to the next one, so. <laughs> I answered it for you. Do you have any thoughts on your answers? No, you nailed it. <laughs> Do you agree with my answers? Is a question <laughs> for your marriage that I've observed. <laughs> I, you know, he's, well, he's been giving me a hard time because I am kind of a homebody and like this right now is kind of my jam. Like I am loving having like all my little chickens in my nest all the time <laughs> and like, like no one can leave and they all like, we're all just like hanging out and this, I'm loving it. I know that, that maybe isn't everyone's thoughts on the quarantine thing, but like. Well, you love that side of it. I love that side of right. it. Yes. I mean, I love right. that. Like, she's not being tone deaf to the rest of the world who is absolutely going no. through major No, I'm things. heartbroken for, but I'm saying just the, just my family being in the house part yeah. of it. And like him being home, this is as long as I've ever gotten to spend with him, you know, like in a stretch, even off season, it feels like because the off season is usually filled with so many like activities and 
holidays and everything. So this was like, this is the most uninterrupted family time we've ever had. And so I am just very grateful for that. I'm worried. I'm worried she's going to keep me in quarantine when in we get done. In spite of all the horrible things that are going around. But, um, I, I, I didn't I, mean it like, that's a good point. Like I didn't mean it like that as far, cause I, I do want to be so sensitive to yeah. this COVID situation. I just meant like people are so negative about spending time with their husbands and wives during this time. And yeah. it's a real joke that they have to, you know, and to me, it's, it's a precious time that I've had with my husband and I know that y'all are. Right. I think we'll look, I think I'll look back on this, this part of the quarantine and be great. So grateful for it. And, you know, hopefully all the outside parts will come together and get better. Well, but. my wife's number one love language that is mm-hmm. if like if love languages were get graded on a 10 scale <laughs> right she's she's got a couple of twos and a couple of threes and she's got a 10 yeah and it's quality time right and this is uh that it's her jam because her love language is overwhelmingly <laughs> quality time right. and so for me like quality time to me is completely different than quality time for her Quality time for me, if you sit on the couch and watch a movie with me, we are knocking quality time out of the park. <laughs> We're knocking out of the park. Matt and I watched a whole series together. Uh, what was it? Uh, Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Yeah. We watched that together in hotel room. And we that was quality time out of quality the time. Yeah, that was That was great. We nailed it. So before, like, before this epidemic hit, uh, for me to – to, this get, don't get mad at me. <laughs> so like, I'd be like, Hey, um, can I go, uh, I'm going to take the girls down in the basement. We're going to watch a movie real quick. And she'd be like, all right, I'll just be up here by myself. You know? and, and, uh, and, and, and I'd realize, you know what? I have not, I have not fed into my wife's love language at all today. And I need to do better at that. Whereas now it's not that I'm forced into it because I'm loving, right. I'm loving right. being around you also too, but we're getting so, so much time that she'll be like, yeah, yeah, y'all go watch a movie and I'm going to get in the bath. This is great. You know, this is, and I'm like, wow, this is great. You know? And, and, uh, I don't know. There's just, I think there's, we're going to look back on this time and we're going to realize, uh, as a, as a, as a whole, as a, as a people, as humanity, uh, although we're going to have many struggles, um, there's going to be tons of things negative that come out of this for sure. There's going to be a lot of things that come out of this positively where we look back and we're like, wow, that was a great time for our family of just growing together and learning each other and spending time together. Uh, it was just a really great time of growth for our family. Um, and I think there's going to be great companies that are formed out of this and there's going to be amazing new uh, uh, ventures that are, are just life-changing things because of what's going on right now. So I do have a verse for what you were talking about, about just like maybe like a tip for like happy marriage. I think, I mean, first Corinthians, you know, the love is patient, whatever. But I think probably the most important one for us is the part where it says um, it's not easily angered and it keeps no records of wrongs. Which verse is that? um, First Corinthians 13, verse five. Verse five, mm, four, right? Four and five. But it is not easily angered. Because I feel like, I mean, of course we don't agree every second of every day, but I think it takes a lot for us to like to get angry and 
you know, I don't, I never feel I've like never he's seen doing. Just to be honest, I've never seen <laughs> And I've heard yeah. you guys a lot. I've never seen you guys at any kind of a tiff ever. <laughs> That's true. I've never seen it. So just so, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I don't remember where I was going with it, but. You don't, you don't purposely think I'm. Right. I never, I never think that he's purposely doing something to try to hurt me. Like he might do something that irritates me, but he's, I don't think he's ever doing it out of vengeance or, you know, like to be like this, I, this is going to irritate her so much. And I just, I want to do that because I want to hurt her. I, so I feel like when your spouse is irritating you, if you just think about it that way and think that he's not purposely trying to hurt you, he loves you, that it's easier to deal with some of the like day to day little things that come up maybe. And also I have a very short memory. So that not keeping her rest. <laughs> And a, a other thing, and just, just, and we'll start to wrap it up because we could talk to you guys all day long, but the other thing I think you do really well, Jenny, and I think it can be applied to uh, pro sports wives is you're a real protector of Adam and his career. And he's a starting pitcher, so he doesn't really work that often, but the days that he, <laughs> <laughs> the days that he does work, yeah. um, I'm just joking. The day that he does work, I think you do. I've just really, <laughs> you're out. The thing, the thing you do really great is you protect that time for him. And I think I would love for you to sort of talk about that a little bit too, because there's lots of, um, I think you do that. I think you do that really, really good without being offensive to the people that want his attention or, or, or whatever. I think that you do a really good job of protecting Adam as he's trying to provide for your family ultimately. And, yeah. um, I think that you're kind of like a defender in that. And I would love for you to talk about that. Cause I think that's a tricky thing to navigate as a young, um, yeah. young woman in, in this, in this job. Like you said, he is a starter. So every fifth day, it's unrealistic to feel like you could do that for a full season to a starter or to a everyday, like position player. I mean, you just, you, real life happens and you can't avoid it forever. But when you start once every fifth day, there's certain things that can put on, be put on the back burner for, you know, half a day. Um, but he was really good about not, um, I mean, he's pretty normal day of and like before, I mean, he might just be a little bit more intense and a little bit more serious, but it's really not other than just like, we try to let him sleep and not let the girls go in and like wake him up or like be hanging on or whatever. He's not really all that different at home the day of. Um, but as far as like outside stuff, I do try to like you know, have everyone call me for tickets that day or if, you know, don't call him and ask him for field passes or tickets that day. Like, Probably because I'll forget about it anyway. That's, that is, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just shouldn't call him anyway for that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just something that kind of like I, from the very beginning, I could see that he did act a little bit different on those days and it was just something a little bit different on every fifth day. And so think just kind of involved into that um just trying to give him the space I feel like there's to a, get ready for there's a that. there's a delicate balance of a relationship in a professional sports atmosphere where she is my biggest fan right she's rooting for me um but uh identity for me and her is not wrapped up in the game of baseball uh baseball is is the job it's something that we do um but like when I injured my elbow years ago, I'm not going to tell the whole story. Thank 
it was it was it was overabundantly clear to me that she was good whether I was playing baseball or not with who her husband was, and that was important for me to see and realize um, because I think the world around you as baseball players sometimes they're your biggest fan, and then as soon as your performance goes downhill, they think you stink, and they need to, you need to get the heck out of there, right? Where we've seen marriages like that also, where there's too much put into performance and uh, and there's just way more. When Christ is in the center of your relationship, identity is never found in your in your performance on a field. Uh, it just isn't. And and for me to see that in my wife, it was very empowering to me to know that no matter what happens in our circumstance, this thing between she and I, it's good. It's going to be good. We're going to figure out a way to make it work. We made a promise to each other. We made a vow when we got married that we would become one and we would work out whatever situation it was until we die. And that's our promise. And that's what we're going to try to keep. Yeah. And I try to stay pretty even no matter what the outcome of his performance is just because he doesn't need me to be sad. If he has a hmm. bad outing, he's already feels bad about it. He doesn't need me to be like, Oh, can't believe that happened or what were you doing making yeah, that why, pitch why did, yeah, nice slider right <laughs> yeah. why did you throw that slider then who knows I would have even known to ask that but um I don't know I just try to stay pretty even and the kids help tremendously with that because kids don't care I mean right. they you know if they if he brings them out a sucker after the game he well, when the boys and they get a little older they'll start to give you a hard time just so I you. have I have seen that Maybe yeah. be a little different in the, in the family room with the boys, but the girls—they're like, "Did you bring me a treat?" I don't care. A couple years ago, my daughter Macy came up to me and goes, "Dad, great job giving up five runs. Way to go!" And I was like, "Thanks." <laughs> uh, well, guys, we'll, we'll try to—we'll uh, wrap this up because I want to be good on time here for you guys. But we really appreciate y'all coming on. Hopefully, you'll come on again next time. We can talk maybe some gardening and some music and you can play the guitar for us and maybe be a little now, more. Now I'm and interested. I'll sing. Yes. And Danielle sing. She and then I'll learn the Frozen 2 song so we can make it a We party. will lose all of your followers if I sing. <laughs> Leslie, just remember, love is an open door, you know? And, you know, <laughs> and let and, it go. And let it yeah, go. Just, what, what's the song? The What was the song I quoted that didn't know? Um, the Next Right Thing. The Next Right, right Thing. thing. I, I can't wait to look that up after we get off of here with you yeah. guys. All right. Well, we're, yeah, we appreciate Adam and Jenny Wainwright coming on the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. And hopefully we'll, they'll come back on. Thanks, guys, so much. See ya. Thank you. Thanks for having us.